I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, a pro wrestling primer as Bob prepares to take her first steps into this utterly ridiculous world. Hello everyone, I'm Miles Schneiderman. And I'm Megan Bob. And welcome to the very first episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, which is a brand new podcast where I try to help Bob get into pro wrestling by watching NXT, a show that, in my opinion, is the best example of modern pro wrestling currently available. And I think the first thing we need to do, Bob, is answer the question currently on the minds of probably everyone listening, which is how the hell did this happen? This happened because Miles can't stop talking about pro wrestling. (laughs) And I made the mistake of showing interest. And Miles, like a shark smelling blood in the water, hunted me down. I mean, mean, to be fair, I think there's lots of people who you made the mistake of revealing your interest to on the internet. This is true. This is a pattern. Lucas Brown exists. This is true. He does. And he's wonderful. He is. That was part of it. And then the other part was that I come from a background of, I say as though I was raised in this world, of fan fiction And it is made of tropes and heart eyes is what (laughs) fan fiction is made of. And it is a language unto itself. And I thought as I watched people enjoy wrestling and espouse, you know, their their deeply held belief that it is the greatest form of storytelling ever. It's going, this is made of tropes. (laughs) And there seem to be a lot of heart eyes involved. Why don't I get it? Why can't I pierce this veil of language and storytelling that surrounds this thing and get it? Because it seems like it's made of all the things that I would enjoy, but I have not yet pierced this fruit to eat the sweet meat inside. Yeah, and you texted me, and you were like, hey, I kind of want to give this a shot. Where should I start? And that's such a bizarre question, because <laughs> because wrestling is so hard to know where to start. And I suggested that you start with NXT, partially because it is, again, my favorite wrestling show of all time, and partially because I think it's a really great entry point. You said, I want to spend my summer binging some TV. What should I do? And I'm like, well, you should watch NXT. Here's where I would start. And and then... Oh, yes. I Now I'm remembering this because that I had that conversation before the semester had ended. So that is a fuzzy memory for me. <laughs> but now it's all coming back. Lost in the haze of alcohol and grading. Um, Yep. Then I think what happened was that you really wanted to do this as a podcast because you had recently done the same thing with Pokemon and Uh, had many sad feelings about not doing that as a podcast. I I will never again be able to recapture those first flushes of love for Bulbasaur. And now, (laughs) you know, the romance is so deep and so meaningful that it's like, I can't go back. Now it's Romeo and Juliet where I just go... This is the greatest leaf thing that's ever existed. <laughs> Which is so funny because, like, I've gone on the record so many times as talking about how similar wrestling and anime are that it's like, it's not even funny. 
It has so many crossovers with so many different forms of storytelling Mm -hmm. that are omnipresent. Uh, I've made the point in conversations with you of how much it reminds me of soap operas, not just because of its bombastic storytelling, but because if you ask somebody, well, where do you start watching Neighbors, an Australian soap opera that is shown very much in Ireland and the UK, if you're interested, (laughs) I recall it being good about 10 years ago. There is no place to start. You just start. And that's a challenging row to hoe. Yeah. I was very excited when you said you want to do this as a podcast. First of all, because I've always thought the idea of you doing a wrestling podcast is just fucking money. (laughs) Just because of who you are. (laughs) But also, I saw this as like a huge opportunity because I love wrestling. I love trying to get people into wrestling. Like... Everybody in my life is sick of me being like, hey, try this one. Try this one. (laughs) And the thing is, is that like we were talking about, getting people into wrestling is fucking difficult. It's so hard to find an entry point because there's wrestling happening constantly. Wrestling is happening all the time. There's so much of it. And it's also this like weird little world with its own rules and its own grammar and shorthand. And I feel like it's almost impossible for an adult to just, I wondered that. To just give wrestling a try without someone to like kind of guide them? Yeah, or that you fall into it because you happen to be there when people were watching it who refused to turn it off and you just go, well, I guess I'm experiencing this now. I mean... It's not like getting into sports. It seems very... A richer and therefore far more complex system of things that you have to contend with. Whereas with sports... Everything is just, oh, it's over and that's it. There's not like, oh, there's behind the scenes that you have to take into account. It's sports, but it's predetermined and choreographed. And it's TV, but it's performed live, like in front of a crowd and people actually get injured. It's boxing and MMA, except it's not actually competitive. It's meant to make you think it's competitive. And it's actually like a dance between these people who are trying desperately to make it look like they're hurting each other while not actually hurting each other. It sort of asked the question, what if sports involved a high level of artistry and weirdness? Yeah. And when people talk about wrestling as a storytelling form, like any other storytelling form, you have to understand the grammar. You have to understand the language Mm -hmm. of it. Otherwise you're not going to get it. And I feel like there's just such a dearth of like wrestling primers and guides online. I see podcasts and articles and like YouTube videos about why wrestling is interesting or why it's like (laughs) why it's not what you think it is. Like Super Eyepatch Wolf, he does his like why pro wrestling is fascinating video, which is amazing. It's so great. But I was going, I am no closer to piercing this veil than I was when I watched it. Only hungrier to get into it. Because they're not like explaining wrestling to people who are going to watch it. They're not trying to help someone who's like, I don't know what this is or how it works. Please, like, let me know. And that's what I want this podcast to be. So while I hope there'll be plenty here for those of you out there who are already wrestling fans, I really want to emphasize that the goal of this podcast for me is to explain wrestling to people who are just dipping their toes in. And we're going to do that by watching NXT. It is going to be an NXT review show. It can also be very accessible for people who are into wrestling but have never experienced NXT before because that's a thing. Or people who got into NXT later and want to know more about the early stuff. Like, there's a lot of people who I think this can be a fun and interesting show for. But I really want it to be first and foremost for people who, like we said in the intro, 
want to get into it, but don't know where to start. The wrestling curious. That's right. Yeah. With that in mind, Bob. Yes. We have lots of ideas for segments that we're going to debut on the next episode, which is actually going to be episode one. This is episode like zero. Okay. Yes. Because I need some help before I begin this journey. Right. So after we're done recording this, at some point, Bob is going to go watch the first episode of where we're going to start in NXT. And I'll explain that again a little bit later. But before you do that, you need to know some things about wrestling. Okay. I'm preparing my soul. All right. Okay. The way I'm going to framework this is basically, Bob, when you start watching the episode, the first thing you're going to see is a wrestling match. Okay. Okay. And so we're going to go through sort of the phases of a wrestling match and what you're going to see. And I'm just going to explain it to you. And if you have any questions, you just let me know. I didn't even know that was a thing. How did I not know there were phases? (laughs) Let's just get into it. Comments and questions. Welcome. All right. So the first thing that happens in any given wrestling match is the entrance. Okay. Okay. The wrestlers come out to the ring and how their arrival is presented, their music and how they walk and how they pose and like how their entrance is lit. What's happening on the big video screen above. These are your first instant clues about their character, the character that the the performer is playing. The entrance is also the crowd's first chance to react to the wrestler. So you can tell immediately if like the audience loves them or hate them or don't care. Whenever it's the introduction of a character for the very first time, does the audience react regardless? Do they have an instant reaction to this person they've never encountered before? Or is there a wait and see approach? They'll have an instant reaction. And and a lot of the people, there's WWE, right? And then there's Mm -hmm. independent wrestling, which is a lot of other wrestling promotions. And a lot of the times WWE will go out and sign an independent wrestler, but they want them to learn how to do WWE things before they bring them up to their main shows. So they put them in NXT. So a lot of the times you'll hear a crowd react to a wrestler and they will clearly know who they are because they've been watching independent wrestling. So that's also part of it. Okay. Um, But I want to mainly keep our focus on what's happening in storyline as opposed to what's happening in real life. Although real life will, unfortunately, butt its ugly head into our precious wrestling stories at the most inopportune moments. I'll prepare myself for that as well. Yeah. The wrestlers come down to the ring and they enter the ring. Now, the ring, of course, is where the central action of a wrestling match takes place. What the ring is, is... An elevated stage, usually constructed by, like, steel beams in the shape of a square. It's got a steel ring post in every corner. Uh, All right. Yeah, I'm just going, oh, because I've seen, I have seen clips where people pretend to get their head bashed. And I'm sure sometimes that goes wrong. And now I'm upset for those people. I'm so sorry, (laughs) people who who got mooshed. So the ring is a stage. The floor of the stage is usually called the mat. And it's made of wood planks, which are covered by foam pads, which are covered by canvas. Oh, I did wonder what that substance was. Okay. Yeah. And then underneath the ring, in the middle of the ring, you've actually got a spring, which is why the center of the ring is so bouncy. And oh. it, it helps with, uh, with the moves that people are performing. Surrounding the mat, you've got your three ropes. All right. And these are generally referred to in ascending order as the bottom rope, the second rope, and the top rope. That is the weirdest naming convention I have ever heard. (laughs) And as somebody who makes their living by understanding writing, I am offended that this isn't the system at work. You cannot change your convention for each one. (laughs) It is sometimes called the middle rope, but usually it's called the second rope. That's like calling it rope A, (laughs) rope two, and rope Roman numeral three. (laughs) Each rope is attached to the four ring posts, 
with a turnbuckle, which I don't know if you know what a turnbuckle is. I've heard the word and I enjoy saying it, turnbuckle, but I do not know what it is. It's like a screwing device and you usually use it to increase and decrease tension. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the ropes are attached to the post with this turnbuckle. When we're setting up the ring, you screw it until you get the right tension of the ropes. And that is what makes the ropes like kind of hang in their given positions and have as much tension as they have. Now, the the turnbuckles are also made of steel. They're covered by turnbuckle pads. Okay. And then you have the outer edge of the mat, which is like the part of the mat on the very outside that rests on the steel beams. Would that be the proscenium if you are into theater? I don't know, but... um, It's been a long time since I took Theater 101 and had to know what kind of stages were. So I'm going to say proscenium proscenium is what that is, but I may well be very wrong. Well, wrestling fans know it as the ring apron. Oh, yeah. You know what? You're right. It's the apron. Also known as the hardest part of the ring because the mat is actually resting on that steel. And that usually is like just outside the ropes. And then, of course, because the ring is elevated, there's a space underneath it that occasionally comes into play. All right. Next thing you need to know about wrestling. You cannot, under any circumstances, Bob, ever have a wrestling match without a referee. Really? Ever. Bob, there are wrestling matches in which all the rules of wrestling are suspended. (laughs) And you still need a ref. <laughs> Do they? Uh, oh, you know what? I could ask you a million questions about what that looks like, where they just go, you know, we don't have one. Can somebody from the audience just randomly <laughs> tag in and be a referee or other weird eventualities? But I will save that to see what unfolds. There's a thing called the final deletion. We're not going to talk about it right now, but it's this weird, bizarre, like improv wrestling project by this one dude and his brother, and they have a wrestling match in their backyard. The ring is like set up on their lawn at (laughs) night with like tiki torches. Nice! And they're going to have a wrestling match. There's no crowd. There's no context, anything. And they had to write a segment in which a random ass referee drives into the woods to referee this match. Because you can't have a wrestling match without a ref. That's delightful. All right. So that is a trope of this. Yes. All right. Your typical wrestling ref doesn't usually have like their own character. Some of them do, but most of them don't. Usually okay. their character is just that of an impartial and highly gullible official with no <laughs> peripheral vision. That's charming. That's <laughs> what I want to be. <laughs> They're there to enforce the rules and determine the result of the contest. Okay. So once a, both the wrestlers are in the ring, the ref will usually like pat them down for like illegal objects. And then the ref will turn to the timekeeper sitting outside the ring and say, ring the bell. Once the bell rings, the match is official and the ref has ultimate absolute authority. When the match is over, the ref signals to the timekeeper to ring the bell again. And the timekeeper rings the bell, the match is over. At which point okay. the ref, and there's also like a ring announcer who actually announces what the ref's decision is. And the ref's decision is final and not subject to dispute, although there are like weird storylines where it is. But most of the time it's not. <laughs> Last thing you need to know about referees, Bob, in wrestling. Okay. Uh, they are made out of balsa wood and paper mache. Oh, no. Yeah, they, so delicate. They crumble very easily. Now let's get into what the ref does. The ref enforces the rules. And the best way to explain the rules of wrestling, Bob, are to explain the various ways in which a match can end. So the referee's decision. There are six major types. And these decisions are broadly referred to as falls. So, for example, when a wrestler comes to the ring, you'll often hear the ring announcer say, the following contest is scheduled for one fall. That means there's only one referee decision needed to determine a winner. 
Oh, all right. So here are the types of falls. The first one and the most basic is the pinfall. That is pinning your opponent's shoulder to the mat long enough for the ref to slap the mat three times. Both shoulders have to be down for this to take place, and the pinner has to be touching or what we call covering the pinny. When a wrestler is attempting to pin their opponent, it's called a cover, and they have to keep their opponent's shoulders down for a referee's count of three. If either shoulder comes off the mat while the ref is counting, the count is immediately broken. The best way to get your shoulders off of the mat is to kind of kick your legs and like jackknife your upper body off the mat. Oh, okay. So the act of getting your shoulder up and breaking the count is usually called kicking out. Ah, I think I have heard this phrase before. Now I have context. And this is why you'll also, when a wrestler is trying to pin their opponent, you'll usually see them hook the leg. So like they'll try and hook the leg with their arm to prevent them from kicking out. Pinfalls and pinfall attempts are like the primary source of dramatic tension in a wrestling match. That makes sense. Another basic way to win a wrestling match is by submission, a.k.a. making your opponent tap out. Ah, I have heard this phrase. Yes. Now, this is accomplished by applying some sort of hold that causes your opponent pain. And the tap out represents the moment where you, as the victim, your desire to end the pain overcomes your desire to win the match. Okay. So basically, it's like saying uncle, but fancier. Mm. All right. Do they have to tap the mat? They have to tap either the mat or their opponent. In my opinion, like it's more realistic to tap your opponent. In MMA, you don't tap the mat. You tap your opponent because that's your way of saying them, hey, I give up. Release the hold, please. Oh, okay. I was going to say, it seems more intimate and tender to tap your opponent. Yes, you will often see them tapping the mat, though. But with submissions, here we come to a very important rule. And this rule is called the rope break. If you're touching the ropes, your opponent is not allowed to touch you. Oh. So if you're in the ropes, if you're touching the ropes, your opponent is not allowed to attack you. That explains a lot of clips I have seen in ways that had never previously made sense. Yes. What that means is if you're trapped in a submission hold, if you can get to the ropes and touch them, your opponent has to break the hold. And then the match continues. Now, if the opponent refuses to break the hold, or if you're in the ropes, not in a submission hold, but you're just like in the ropes and they won't stop attacking you, the ref starts a count. Now, if that count gets to five and they're still doing it, then this person will lose by (laughs) disqualification. I love that it's the leave your brother alone. Leave your brother alone. Yes. If you don't stop and leave your brother alone by the time I count to five, we are leaving you at the Dairy Queen forever. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Disqualification or DQ is basically... (laughs) DQ. DQ, the Dairy Queen, yep. This is basically any time the ref decides to end the match because somebody's not following the rules. So the rope break, for example, always results in a disqualification five count. But there are other ways to get disqualified. The most common include hitting your opponent in the groin, pulling their hair too much, attacking their eyes too much, attacking the referee is usually a disqualification. (laughs) Using a weapon or other quote-unquote foreign object on your opponent is a disqualification. And someone else who's not in the match attacking your opponent is a disqualification. Another less common way to win a wrestling match is by countout. And this brings up some more rules. So wrestlers are supposed to keep the battle inside the ring. You're supposed to fight in the ring. If you start to fight outside, the referee is going to start a 10 count. Now, either wrestler re-entering the ring will break that count. 
But if one wrestler remains in the ring while the other remains outside, the count starts again. And if the wrestler on the outside can't get back in the ring by the count of 10, they lose by count out. Ooh. And if both wrestlers are outside and neither of them gets back in the ring, then it's a double count out. Does that mean they both lose? It means they both lose. Yes. Quick note about disqualifications and countouts. Within the fictional world of wrestling, these victories are considered less prestigious than pinfall or submission. That makes sense. Referees tend to be reluctant to end matches by disqualification or countout. What that mm. means is that the ref's not going to immediately DQ anyone who breaks a rule. They'll admonish the first, hey, you stop that. Mm. You know, hey, you follow the rules. And then if the, <laughs> if the wrestler keeps doing that, then they'll start the count. And it's not like five seconds. They'll be like, one, hey, stop it. Two, you really stop that for real now. Three, you know what I mean? I will turn this match around. (laughs) That's right. The 10 count tends to be even slower because the ref will attempt to like convince wrestlers to get, get, get back in the ring. Take it back inside the ring. The functional purpose of this explanation is that for dramatic purposes, disqualifications and countouts usually serve as beats in the match more than actual match endings. Okay. So that makes sense. You will see it happen. But you're more likely to see the wrestler like run the risk of disqualification than actually get disqualified. And you're much more likely to see a wrestler almost lose by count out than you are to see them actually lose by count out. Okay. Knockout or ref stoppage. This is rare, but matches will sometimes end because the referee determines one competitor can no longer continue. Oh, my. Um, The terms knockout, technical knockout and referee stoppage are pretty much interchangeable in wrestling. And they just mean that one of the wrestlers can no longer wrestle and the other one wins. There is another thing that can happen where even if the wrestlers are in the ring, if they're both so beat up that neither of them can get to their feet, the referee will do a 10 count and that'll be like a draw. Another kind of draw that can happen is the time limit draw. Most wrestling matches have a time limit uh, and most of the time it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, I was going to say, what is the typical time limit? But you've answered the question. Um, Traditionally, it depends. Like, so like the the main event matches will get more time than like matches lower Uh, earlier on the card. That makes sense. Sometimes for storyline purposes, time does run out. And when it does, the match ends in a draw. Draws can also occur in wrestling as a result of double disqualification. Both wrestlers break the rules at the same time. So like they kick each other in the dick, for example. (laughs) Wait, at the same time? At the same time. Oh, which happened recently. Delightful. I Uh, mean, I don't want anybody to have that. I'm sure they're wearing (laughs) cups. You could not do that and not be wearing. Also, I have concerns for what kind of like special bra you would need to wear if you're a woman in wrestling. uh, Because, ow. We're going to have extensive conversations about outfits and costuming. Yeah, yeah, I, I have questions. The last way a match can end is by no contest. And this occurs when the ref just throws out the match entirely, usually because the situation in the ring has somehow gotten out of control. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. For example, you might see a story in which two wrestlers are wrestling and then before their match can end, they're both attacked by like a large group of other wrestlers (laughs) who just like beat the shit out of both of them and render them unable to continue. And so that could be ruled a no contest because the match ended due to factors like outside of the participants direct control. You said a large group of other wrestlers. And in my head, the way you were going to finish that sentence was a large animal. <laughs> I was going, holy shit, they've got bears. And then went, wait a second. That seems very unsafe. I don't I think they would not do that. And then uh, miscellaneous thing, like I said, you're not supposed to go after the hair or the eyes, but you usually won't get DQ'd for that. The referee just tells you to stop. You'll see sometimes a wrestler will when they're trying to like pin their opponent. 
they'll like grab their tights to try and use it as leverage. Um, mm. That's illegal. Attempting to intimidate or otherwise coerce the ref is generally frowned upon. <laughs> all right. And the final caveat to all of this. Okay. Yes. Literally all the decisions I just went over depend on the ref seeing what happens and doing their job. Okay. Referees are extremely gullible. They're extremely easy to distract and trick. They also suffer from a strange referee disease that destroys their short-term memory and their sense of linear rationality. So, yeah, maybe they had their back turned to the match for a few seconds, and when they turned back around, the guy who had been previously winning was suddenly unconscious on the ground. But those two facts are not at all related, unless the ref witnesses the events in between. Oh, delightful. They assume that everything is always on the level Unless they explicitly see otherwise. They're just like innocent naifs. I am pro-referees now. (laughs) And finally, as I mentioned, the referee is extremely fragile and can be knocked completely out of the action by the slightest brush of contact. Nothing the ref doesn't see while distracted or unconscious counts as a victory because the ref is, as mentioned, the sole arbiter of the match. Okay. All right. That's a wrestling match. That's how it works. Now, you might ask the question at this point, Bob. Why are these people fighting? I have a lot of questions about that. Okay. Why are they fighting? Why aren't they kissing? (laughs) So NXT, which is what we're going to be watching, like all wrestling, is an ensemble TV show. There are numerous characters and plot lines that exist concurrently in the same fictional universe. And within the context of that universe, the central characters are pro wrestlers whose job is to win wrestling matches. That That is the main reason anybody fights on the show, because it's their job. So essentially what you're watching is a workplace drama (laughs) where all conflict is resolved via fighting. Oh my God, that's the best pitch for anything I've ever heard. Why is it? I want everything to be a workplace drama that's resolved through like extraordinary means. Victories are your typical measure of success at your job in pro wrestling. If you win a lot, you're doing well. But the primary measure of success comes in the form of championships, which are Ah. also referred to as titles and belts. We're going to get more into championships as we go through the episodes. For now, all you need to know is that the point where we're starting, there's currently an NXT champion and there are currently two NXT tag team champions. Okay. And at the point where we're going to jump in, these titles are both still pretty new. So there have only been two holders of either title so far. At that point, I want to talk about where we're going to jump in, and I want to give you a brief primer, Bob, about the history of NXT. Do you have any questions about what we've gone over so far? I think the only question I have is about the tag team thing. From the way that you were talking about it, tag team matches are a separate strand of matches. It's like singles versus doubles in tennis, which I don't watch tennis, but I am familiar with the fact that these things exist, and therefore you're competing in different You could win both, but you're not necessarily competing in both. You focus more on one or the other. Right. So what we've gone over so far is the standard framework for a singles match, which is one person against another person. There are lots of other types of matches, and we're going to go over those as they come up, if that's okay with you. Okay. Oh, that's perfect. I just wanted to make sure that I understood that there's not one belt. There's a belt for singles and a belt for tag team. Correct. And soon after, we start watching a belt for women's singles. Oh, good. Uh, So we'll get into that. Progress. Progress. One of the segments we're going to do on this show is called Wrestling Term of the Week, and we're going to get into this week's 
official wrestling term later. But to illustrate the history of NXT, I'm going to hit you with a couple of terms right now, okay? Okay, all right. As we're going to use them. I'm using my remembering bit of my brain. Okay. The first term is called a developmental promotion. Wrestling companies are referred to as promotions, and a developmental promotion is basically like a minor league training program. In most cases, when WWE hires a wrestler, they don't immediately appear on national TV. They start out in developmental and they stay in developmental until their coaches decide their coaches and like corporate basically (laughs) decide that they're ready to join the rotating cast of WWE's two major television shows, which are currently known as Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live. Now, historically, developmental programs take the form of a regular wrestling show produced on a much smaller scale with a much smaller budget, but otherwise basically looking the same. Their shows only air on local TV, so not many people get to watch them, and they don't tour, so it's mostly the same crowd every night. But the wrestlers get a chance to practice in front of a live audience and on camera before being introduced to the wider WWE fandom. Okay. So that's a developmental promotion. The next term is Game Show NXT. Okay. So, in 2010, WWE had a long-standing developmental promotion that was called Florida Championship Wrestling, or FCW. I hate that name. That is a terrible name. But they wanted to try something a little bit different. So they took eight FCW wrestlers and made them the central cast of a new show called NXT. And NXT was a fake reality TV show (laughs) in which... Each of the rookies, quote unquote, was paired up with a pro or an established wrestler. And just like a reality show, wrestlers were systematically eliminated over the course of a given season, with the last wrestler standing earning a WWE contract of their very own. But of course, this is all bullshit. (laughs) Uh, Eliminations were never an indicator of a wrestler's employment status with WWE. And almost everyone involved would go on to have some sort of WWE career. Because, like, why would you do a reality show where everyone already knows it's not real? It makes Uh. no sense. But they did it. It aired on WWE.com. It was an online show. Um, Wow. It involved some wrestling, but mostly weird, stupid reality show style competitions. It comprised four seasons, all four of them running between 2010 and 2011. Now, the fifth season of NXT, Bob, was called NXT Redemption. Oh, that's a fun title. NXT Redemption featured a cast of contestants from previous seasons, and it was normally going to be like an all-stars, right? It's the same thing, but like all people you know already. But NXT Redemption got weird. It centered around things called redemption points, which were never explained and oh never a- never actually came into play. Oh, God. After 17 weeks of the show, they stopped eliminating people and none of the on-screen characters commented or appeared to notice that. What? Uh, yeah. Turns out that WWE had literally forgotten about NXT Redemption. Wow. It It ended up having a 67-episode run. <laughs> In which sort of low-tier talent who weren't being used on Raw and SmackDown just got to fuck around and do whatever they wanted because nobody was paying attention. How does that happen? There's actual money involved. I know. It is bizarre and glorious, and I really hope at some point we get to go back and watch it because I'm pretty sure they do a Glee parody. Um, Oh, God. Yeah. So appealing. Yeah, it was so weird. So in the summer of 2012, corporate made the decision to fold FCW into NXT. So the developmental promotion 
moved forward under the NXT brand. So this is when NXT as we know it today begins, in the summer of 2012. So that, in theory, would be the logical place for us to begin, because it's the beginning of NXT as we know it. But we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to begin our coverage of NXT almost exactly a year later with the episode that aired on May 22nd, 2013. The reason we're doing that, the reason I decided we should do that, is because uh, the point of this podcast, guys, is to get Megan Bob into pro wrestling. And I feel like it helps if the pro wrestling is good. Yeah, as a person who's read a lot of bad fanfic and, and still enjoyed it, but would rather have read good fanfic, I would much rather see good wrestling matches. The first year of like NXT proper isn't like bad, but it's kind of mediocre. Also, I'm a huge women's wrestling advocate and fan, and I really don't want to watch an entire year's worth of wrestling in which there's not a whole lot for the women to do. And I don't think you want to do that either, Bob. No. Um, So we're going to start in the summer of 2013, which is when the women's division starts to get going. And it's when the NXT television product started getting good enough to draw actual buzz. This is when I started watching NXT. It's when a lot of people started watching NXT for the first time. And I think it'll be a really good entry point for Bob. There's another big reason why I want to start watching with this particular episode, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to give anything away. Exciting. Suffice it to say, we're starting with the episode that aired on March 22nd, 2013. If you're watching it on WWE Network, it is episode 170. But for me and for many other people, this is pretty much episode one. That having been said, Bob, you are still going to have tons of questions, especially the first time. Anticipate that. Yes, I shall be prepared. You're being dropped into an ongoing universe. Um, Okay. NXT is fairly self-contained and it becomes more so as it goes on. But in the beginning, there was still a lot of crossover between the trainees who were in the former FCW and the low level WWE wrestlers who had been fucking around on Redemption. Okay, Mm -hmm. we're jumping right into this period of transition where new characters are being introduced as the old ones are on their way out. So there's going to be some characters here that you're not going to have very much time with. But I promise you that you're also getting in on the ground floor of a bunch of new characters who are going to define the show going forward. Okay. So that's what we're doing, guys. That's what wrestling is, and this is where we're going to start. One of the other great things about NXT is that it's available on Hulu. However, Hulu only goes back to the beginning of 2014. So um, if you want to follow along with us at the beginning, unfortunately, you're either going to have to have a subscription to WWE Network, or you're going to have to find some way to find these episodes on the internet, which they're they're widely available on like Dailymotion and shit. Not that I endorse that, but whatever. Um, (laughs) I really hope that everybody follows along. And if not, we're going to summarize every episode for you so you can at least get a gist of it. And then when we get into 2014, you can start watching it on Hulu. So that was my long winded opening episode zero shtick. I feel much wiser now. I'm glad. I hope that wasn't too much. Um, No. We're going to kick off our first official segment, Bob, which is the wrestling term of the week. Okay. I'm going to give Bob a wrestling term and define it for her. And then Bob is going to write a, was it 100 word flash fanfic? Yes. Using it in a sentence to show how much I know. That's right. So this will be interesting. Our very first wrestling term of the week is the Irish whip. Oh my. All right. I've got ideas. (laughs) I'll bet you do. (laughs) (laughs) And there are two reasons why this is our first term. First, it happens all the fucking time in wrestling matches. You will almost never see a match that does not include an Irish whip. It's an extremely basic move. An Irish whip is when 
a wrestler pushes their opponent against the ropes and then uses the tension of the ropes to slingshot them across the ring. Mm. This is like a setup for other moves, okay? So you push me into the ropes. Okay. You hold onto my arm and you sling me in the other direction. Now, having been thus slung, I run to the other side of the ring, bounce off the other ropes, and then come slingshotting back toward you where you presumably hit me with a move. Okay. At which point, the second reason the Irish whip is important comes into play. The second reason the Irish whip is an important term to know is because it makes no fucking sense, Bob. Yeah, I have physics questions. It's incredibly stupid. The person being shot across the ring could just stop at any time. (laughs) It's not like they're actually being thrown. They're only being directed. So in addition to being a very common, very basic wrestling move... It is also the perfect illustration of the one thing you will need more than anything else in your journey through pro wrestling, which is suspension of motherfucking disbelief. Okay. The Irish whip and pro wrestling makes no sense, but don't worry about it. It's not a real fight. It's a play. It's so much easier to let wrestling into your heart when you accept that it's dumb and just go with it. I am ready to love So on our next episode, Bob is going to demonstrate her knowledge of the Irish whip. And Bob, if you turn to YouTube to see it being performed, I will not blame you in the slightest. Yeah, I definitely want to see if anybody is able to sell it. But it seems like the kind of thing that would be very hard to sell. And now we're going to move into our next segment, Bob, and our final segment for episode zero. And this is the cheap pop quiz. All right. So what this is, is uh, in preparation for Bob watching the episode she's going to watch. I'm going to ask her a multiple choice question about what she's about to see. We're not going to answer her right now. She'll find out the answer and reveal it on our next episode. Okay. This is a fun segment to just introduce Bob to some insanity and get her takes on some shit that's going to happen next time. So here's your first cheap pop quiz, Bob. Which of the following non-wrestling characters is not the basis for a wrestling character that you will encounter in your first episode? So which of these is not a foundation for a wrestling character that you'll meet? Okay. Is it A, Marty McFly from Back to the Future? B, Max Cady from Cape Fear? C, Mike the Situation Sorrentino from Jersey Shore? (laughs) Or D, just kidding, you're going to meet characters based on all three of those in your first episode? Oh, boy. Given how weird this sounds, I feel like the answer is D, but I don't want it to be D because I want I want to have it ramp up to being even more insane than that. Although that sounds like it's very likely to happen anyway. Uh But I'm going to choose the Cape Fear one because I have never seen Cape Fear and do not know what it is. Is it about (laughs) a cape that is particularly scary? All right. So your answer is Max Katie from Cape Fear. Yes. Uh, Fair enough. We will come back to this on our next episode and we will be keeping track of your points. So. Oh, man, <laughs> I'm going to redeem them for cool prizes. So no pressure whatsoever. All right. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for this episode zero, unless there's anything you want to add. Thank you for listening. And thanks for joining me on this journey. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I can't wait for Bob to watch her first episode of NXT and then official episode one. We will be in our standard format. Uh, of segments and we have a lot of new shit coming at you in that regard so (laughs) this is going to be a uh, bi-weekly show at least for the time being so we will see you all again in two weeks thank you so much for listening thank you 
This has been The Next Wrestling Fan, Episode Zero. It was produced by me. The music you're hearing is Rocket by Kevin McLeod, which is licensed under Creative Commons. We are now two weeks away from our official launch. Saturday, August 10th, is the day of NXT TakeOver Toronto, and also the day that Episode 1 of The Next Wrestling Fan will crash through a table and into your podcast feed. There will be festivities. We will debut the official podcast format and introduce you to the recurring segments you can expect to hear on a regular basis, and many more things will happen. So circle August 10th on your calendars. There will be more announcements about the show between now and then, so if you want to keep up, be sure to follow us on Twitter at NXT Wrestling Fan and like our Facebook page, the NXT Wrestling Fan Podcast. And last but not least, be sure to tell literally everyone about this show. Tell the wrestling fans in your life, of course, but also people who don't watch wrestling, people who don't know how to watch wrestling, people who hate wrestling. Tell them all about the next wrestling fan. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back in two weeks, Saturday, August 10th, with episode one, The Phantom of the Swampera.